and welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Robbie, and I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here at Hope City Church. And if you're a guest with us, you're joining us on a really sweet week. We're kicking off this week a brand new series, obviously called Enemies of the Heart. Now, before we dive in, there's a couple of housekeeping things that I need to take care of. First of all, if I have not had the opportunity to meet you, I would love the chance to get to do that. I'm going to be hanging out in the lobby. Um, Actually, I'm not hanging out in the lobby today. No, they just told me that. That's right. Um, I'm hanging out over in the conference room right after the service is over. Um, It's right past our offices right past our restrooms. I'm going to be hanging out back there. would love for you to stop by. Um, I'd love to get to know you. I'd love the chance to meet you and talk to you and find out how you ended up here at Hope City Church. So please stop by there. And the second thing that I need to take care of is I spent this past weekend doing something that I absolutely love, something that I did for about 10 years of my ministry life. And that is I got to hang out with teenagers um, from multiple churches in our area at the Reach Conference. And it was awesome, but they are hell-bent on like getting me now. They feel like they've got this special intimate relationship with me, these guys that are sitting right up here in the front. And so what you can't see is that they're holding these signs up right now that you can't see, but they're meant to distract me. And they say, Robbie loves cats, which is a lie. And your jeans are too tight, which is probably (laughs) true. And so just a housekeeping thing that I need to take care of. Let me see both of those guys. I love you guys. I think you're awesome. Um, But this is what I think of these right here um, so that I can focus so we can actually get on with what we need to get on to with. So (laughs) anyway, um, no, it was was an absolutely awesome weekend hanging out with these guys. They are absolutely incredible. And we are thrilled to have um, the students that we have in this church that are legitimately changing the spiritual landscape of the high schools and middle schools in this community because they're sold out for their relationship with Jesus. And so it's very, very cool to see and be a part of. So anyway, all that to say, very, very excited that you're here. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, please stop by. I'd love the chance to be able to talk to you a little bit. Now, here's what we're doing. Throughout the course of this series, we're going to be doing something that nobody does. We're going to be doing something that your parents didn't do. We're going to be doing something that your teachers didn't do. And we're going to be doing something that actually most pastors don't do. We're going to be looking at how we monitor and how we guard this thing inside of us called our heart. And the reason I say that nobody talks about this is because in our culture, one of the things that we're really good at is monitoring and guarding our behavior and, 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 and trying to teach behavior modification, but we're not big on heart monitoring and keeping up with what's going on inside of us. And this is absolutely crucial and huge to any lasting behavior modification anyway. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about. My, um, when I was growing up, my parents, I was raised in a fairly uh, conservative household um, in the sense that, you know, there were just things that you weren't allowed to do, not because the Bible said you couldn't do them, but just because you're conservative and you don't do certain things, right? And so there were things that we weren't allowed to watch. Like we couldn't watch Family Guy and we couldn't watch The Simpsons. We couldn't watch those shows growing up because you weren't allowed to do that. And then um, there were certain things that we couldn't say. Um, And one of the things that was uh, kind of a big deal in our house, which was strange because there was a lot of other really weird things that you were allowed to say, but you weren't allowed to say, and it, it pains me even now to say it because you weren't allowed to say it growing up. We weren't allowed to say 
freaking growing up because it was too close to another word, um, which is why your pastor to this day almost every Sunday says flipping at some point during his sermon because I got to have something to say because I'm not allowed to say the other F word. And when I say the other F word, I mean freaking because you're not allowed to say freaking, right? And so when I grew up, I wasn't allowed to say that, but I can remember, I, and I don't know what the specifics of the circumstances or situation was, but I was running through my house one day and I was angry at my brother and I was yelling at him and, and just out of nowhere, I yelled to the top of my lungs, you freaking idiot, right? And about that time, mom does what only moms have the capacity and ability to do. She turns the corner, like right there in the moment, right when I'm yelling. And she looks at me and I look at her and we kind of have this like stare down death match right there in the hall. And it's like, yeah, you're in trouble. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm in trouble. And my mom had promised us that if we ever said words like that in our house, that she was going to do what her parents did. And that is wash our mouth out with soap. Which sounds great in theory until it comes time to actually execute the punishment that's necessary, right? And so I said it, she knew I said it, she knew that I knew that I said it, and it was just one of those things where, okay, now you have to get your mouth washed out with soap. The problem is, how do you go about doing something like this? And so it was the first time that this ever had to happen. So we walk into the bathroom, and as we get in there, she looks at me, and I look at her, and I'm like freaking out, and she's freaking out because nobody really knows how we're going to go about doing this because it's what has to happen because you have to follow through with your punishment but like like how do you do that do you squirt dish soap in your kid's mouth and then like social services comes after you do you stick a bar of soap in their mouth do you grab some something from bath and body works and squirt it like what do you do how does this how do you do this right what's the proper way to go about it and so she looked unsure I looked unsure and finally a light bulb goes off in her head and she grabs toothbrush she grabs bar of soap wets toothbrush wets bar of soap scrubs the toothbrush into the bar of soap and then hands it to me and says 60 seconds ready go and I have to proceed with brushing my teeth with bar soap and let me just tell you it is actually as bad as it sounds not just in the moment but for the preceding week after that it is terrible it's like every now and again this soap comes up out of nowhere and you get a taste of it and then it ruins everything it's like brushing your teeth and then drinking orange juice it's that feeling except all week long, right? It was absolutely terrible. And this was my, my, my first experience with specific, specific to words, behavior modification. And all parents do this, no matter um, whether you, you're, you're washing your kid's mouth out with soap or whether you've got other things that go on in your house. But everybody attempts to, to modify the behavior of our kids. When they act in a way that's inappropriate, we want to change the way that they act. So we punish them for how they act so that they change the way they act because we're all interested in changing our kids behavior and then as we get older as we get older we still live in a society which tries to deter certain what behaviors right if you do this you get this punishment if you do this you have to pay this if you go this speed you got to pay this ticket like we live in a society that's built on behavior modification and because of that we as a culture have developed this amazing thing called a filter and this filter is what we use to know what we can say and what we can't say in certain situations, right? When you get pulled over at a traffic stop, you know there's certain things that you can't say. When you're at a job interview, you know the certain things that you should say or that you need to say to be able to get that job. We, we developed this filter because we're really good. We're really good at executing specific behaviors to get what we want, to go where we want, to, to have what we want to have. But here's the problem. Along the way, we've neglected something far more important. We focused really, really well on behavior modification. We focused really, really hard on having a really solid filter to know what we can do and what we can't do. 
But all the while, for most of us, we've neglected what's going on in our heart, what's going on inside. And every now and again, we have those moments when things are tense, when things just aren't going right, when the temperature gets turned up. It usually happens in about the fourth quarter of the football game, and you're watching, and your wife comes in, and she says, we need to talk, and she's trying to yak at you while you're trying to watch the fourth quarter of the football game, and you have that moment where you say something, and you go, baby, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. I didn't mean to say that. That's not, that's not how I really feel. And something breaks through the filter. It's that moment, ladies, when your husband is like ridiculously questioning you on every charge, every cent that you spent at Concord Mills, Mills and you just get tired of it and you're just like, come on. Like, and you have that moment where something flies out and you go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But something breaks through that filter that we've gotten really good at monitoring. And what breaks through comes from somewhere and it comes from somewhere that we haven't monitored. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them up to the New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. The, uh, the verses are going to be on the screens for you. However, if you don't have a Bible, I would love for you to stop by our resource center before you leave today. Grab a Bible. Love you to have one of those. Uh, we don't want you to walk out of here um, without one of those. So it would be our gift to you free of charge. But Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. You can also follow along on your smartphone or tablet. Let me, let me tell you what's going on here. Jesus is in the middle of a discourse about a completely different topic. As a matter of fact, he's on about three or four different topics. And randomly, out of nowhere, he lobs out this thought or these couple of thoughts, which seem like they don't have anything to do with anything. And when we first read them at the onset, you're going to read them and go, yeah, but that's not what he means. Yeah, but that's not what he's trying to say. We've got to look at the grander context when in reality, that's exactly what he's trying to say. And it's exactly what he means. Matthew 15, 18, look what it says. It says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from where? The heart. And these defile them. When we have that moment where something breaks through the filter of what we've been monitoring, which is our mouth, what we've been monitoring, which is our behavior. We have that moment and something breaks through the filter and comes out. Jesus says that's from our heart. But what do we do when we have that moment of weakness, when we have that moment of frustration and we say something or we do something that we know we shouldn't say, that we know we shouldn't do, in those moments, when it happens, what do we do? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's not me, that's not me at all. And Jesus is going, no, actually that is you, just in case you're wondering. That's the real you that's finally breaking through this filter that you've developed, this, this mask that you've put on on your behavior. But that's the real you, that's what's really going on inside. And you say, yeah, but I don't know where that came from. Jesus is going, hey, I know where it came from. It came from your heart because that's what's going on inside of you because you've done a really good job of monitoring your behavior. But you've done a terrible job of monitoring your heart. And Jesus is saying to you and to me, hey, there's a lot of junk going on inside of us that we mask and cover up with a filter because we know what's allowed and what's not allowed. It doesn't change the fact that these things are brewing inside every single one of us. And he goes on to make his point in verse 19. He says, for out of the heart come evil Thoughts. Holy cow, man, that's rough, isn't it? Jesus is saying that our hearts are evil. You say, nope, that's not true. My mama told me I was a good boy. I don't have evil thoughts. I have good thoughts. No, your mama was wrong. Jesus says you are evil. Evil. I'm evil. You're evil. We're all evil. We have evil thoughts. Because if we got honest in the room this morning, and nobody will, if we got honest in the room and let down our filter, which nobody will, 
And we actually looked at what was going on inside our heart. We looked at what's really going on inside of us. We looked at the feelings that were actually brewing inside of us. I don't know anybody want to come back next week. Why? Because of all the good, flowery, rosy stuff happening inside of you? No. Because of the evil junk, the dark stuff that you don't want anybody to see. Look at what Jesus says here. Murder. Murder in your hearts. You say, I don't have murder in my heart. You lie. See, now you're not only a murderer, you're a liar too. If you say, I I don't have murder in my heart, you haven't been married very long. (laughs) I'm just telling you. It doesn't matter how much you love your spouse. These things come up. Murder. Adultery. Let me, let me go back to murder for just a second. Do you know, you know why? You know why in our, in, particularly in our culture, why when somebody actually commits murder, the first person that they suspect is the spouse? It's because that's the person that you are closest to, that you have the most emotional ties to. That's the person that you've allowed emotions to build up and build up and build up and build up unchecked with. That's why people always look at family members and close relatives first as suspects when it comes to murder. Why? Because those are the people which you have feelings towards that go unmonitored. Murder, adultery, we won't dive into that one, but everybody knows the truth. Everybody has those moments. Everybody has those thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. See, our hearts are filled with a lot of vile, nasty, dark, wicked stuff. And in our culture, we've, we've come to the realization that the conclusion that any of us can come to in regards to how to deal with that stuff is just to not talk about it. We just don't talk about it. You, you don't want to talk about that. You don't, want to, you don't want to have that conversation. You don't want to let anybody know that. And so because of that, there's all these things inside of you that go unchecked. Now, you talk about behaviors. You talk about actions. You talk about words. But we don't talk about what's in our hearts. And so in those moments of frustration, in those moments of weakness, in those moments of difficulty, those things that have been brewing for a while that we haven't talked about, that we haven't dealt with, they break the filter and they slip out. And Jesus is saying, when that happens... That's not a moment of weakness for you. That's you. Right? That's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow. Because we all want to think, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. And Jesus is saying, no, left unchecked, your heart is wicked. The things that go on inside of you. And and we don't like that. It doesn't make it any less true. And we all know it. We all know it. We know that we don't want people to see what's going on inside of us. That's why we ignore what's going on inside of us. Jesus is saying, look, if you want want to change your behavior, if you want to change your actions, if you want to stop having those moments where things break the filter, stop focusing on the filter and start focusing on the source. This is why the wisest man in all of human history, a guy by the name of Solomon who wrote, wrote Proverbs, wrote several Old Testament writings, this guy wrote on just about every single subject that you can possibly imagine. He wrote on parenting. He wrote on relationships. He wrote on finances. He wrote on wisdom. He wrote on teaching. He wrote on everything. This is why he said, above all 
all else, above everything else that I'm going to write about, you need to pay attention to one specific thing. Look at what he says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. He says, above all else, above everything else I've taught you, above everything else that, that, that I'm writing about, the hands down most important thing you can do above all else is guard your heart for everything you do flows from it the big question then comes how in the world do we do this how do we monitor our heart how do we take on the enemies that are inside that nobody likes to talk about if we don't like to talk about them the best illustration that i could think of is um is super childish and super cheesy but you guys will just have to hang with me um because we weren't allowed to watch shows like The Simpsons and Family Guy, we were forced to watch other shows like VeggieTales. And, um, and I became a big fan of VeggieTales growing up, which is interesting now because now my kids are watching VeggieTales and we can watch VeggieTales together and I know all the characters and I know what's going on and they think it's so cool that Dad knows about their show when there's other shows that I have no clue what's going on. They watch this show called Ninjago. makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's a bunch of Lego people running around. Anyway, if you're a parent of a small kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But VeggieTales I can relate with, right? VeggieTales I can hang with. VeggieTales I can follow because I know what's going on because I watched it when I was younger too. Well, there was a spinoff of VeggieTales and it was a spinoff based around one of the primary characters. Um, There is Larry the Cucumber and there's Bob the Tomato. And Larry the Cucumber has this spinoff show called Larry Boy. Now, Larry Boy was awesome because Larry Boy mixed superheroes and VeggieTales and it was incredible and all the the guys loved it and we thought it was super cool. And he had the best superhero outfit. Like, I think I like Larry Boy almost more than Batman because Larry Boy made plungers look cool. Larry Boy had this purple mask and these two plungers that came out of his ears. And if you're wondering why a cucumber had ears, don't read into it too much. It's just veggie tales. So anyway, um, he, he had these plungers that came out and he had this cape and it was super cool. And he's like, I am Larry Boy. And Larry Boy's whole mission was to defeat these arch nemesis, these enemies that would come into our lives or in, in their world, their town. And one of the enemies' name was the Fib from Outer Space. The episode was actually called Larry Boy and the Fib from Outer Space. And the purpose and the point of this particular um, episode was to teach kids that it wasn't just big lies that had destructive powers. It wasn't just big deceit that had terrible um, repercussions in our lives, but it was even the little things because the little things lead to bigger things, which lead to bigger things, which lead to bigger things. That's why it's called the fib from outer space, right? And so in the story, this fib comes in and Larry drives his plunger car down the street. He jumps out. He's ready to take on this little fib from outer space, but he sees the fib and the fib's just this cute little, little blob, right? And it's not hurting anybody. And he's like, well, how can I, I can't, I can't take this thing on. This thing is so cute. This thing's so nice. This thing's not going to hurt a fly. And he leaves it alone and he doesn't deal with the fib from outer space. Well, as you can probably imagine, the fib grows, and as it grows, it turns into this big, huge, giant monster, which is knocking down buildings and is destroying things. And the point is now it's not just a fib from outer space, it's a lie from outer space, and it's destroying all this stuff. And the moral of the story is that you you got to deal with things when they're small before they get big. And that is a perfect picture of exactly what goes on in here, in our hearts. Because we have this little, just this little hint of jealousy over an issue with somebody. We have this little bit of angst over um, a frustration that we've got with a coworker, with a friend. We've got just a little bit of envy 
regarding one of our neighbors. And it's not a big deal. It's not like a big sinful thing. It's not causing problems in our life. It's not manifesting itself in terrible ways. It's not causing me to do horrible things. And so what do we do? We just say, well, it's not worth the conversation. It's not worth the time. It's not worth the energy. And so we just shove it deep down somewhere in the dark chambers of our heart. The problem is the things that we shove down into the dark, deep chambers of our heart, since our heart is the wellspring of life, it's where everything comes from, guess what? It grows. It grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it festers, and it becomes destructive, and we begin to have seeds of bitterness and anger and jealousy and rage all kind of swirling up inside of us. But we got really good filters, right? And so we don't let anybody know that's going on. You know, we, we, we're in the car and we're fuming and we're angry and we get out of the church, out of the car at church on Sunday morning like, hey, how you doing? Everything's great, right? When really there's all this junk that's just brewing inside of us and we don't know where it came from. We don't even know w- w- what caused it because we don't even remember the situation or the circumstance, but there's all this stuff that's going on inside of us. And I promise this is not pop psychology. This is absolutely what Jesus teaches. There's all this stuff that's brewing up inside of us and then in a moment of weakness in a moment of frustration all of a sudden this thing which had no bearing on your life whatsoever breaks through your filter you flip out on somebody you say four-letter words that you didn't even know that you knew and when that happens you go that's not me how in the world did this happen it's because you didn't do what Solomon said you didn't guard your heart you didn't monitor your heart, because nobody ever taught you to. Nobody ever taught me to. Everybody says, guard your behavior, monitor your behavior, be a good boy, be a good girl. Nobody ever talks about guarding your heart. But you're only a good boy or a good girl as long as the filter's working. But eventually, what's inside of you will be stronger than the filter, and it'll break through. And when it does, you'll do something that you swear is out of character for you. But the truth is, it's exactly who your character really is. That's why Jesus says, what you say, it's indicative of what's in your heart. The question then becomes, what are you going to do about it? Because as I've been talking, you've been thinking and you've been realizing, oh, yeah, Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on inside that you haven't dealt with. So there's two things we got to do. And if you're taking notes, you may want to write these down. Here's how you monitor your heart. Number one, you got to be careful what you allow to lurk inside. Be careful what you allow to lurk inside. See, we don't like to talk about it, particularly guys, because it's just easier to avoid the conversations. But if there's feelings of anger, frustration, guilt, jealousy, envy, greed swirling around somewhere in there, we got to be really careful that we don't let them stay. We got we to gotta find those things. We got to do something about it. Basically, what God is saying to you and to me today is there's this dark place inside of us that never gets any light. And we need to do the really uncomfortable job of shining a huge spotlight deep down inside of our heart and looking at what's there. And I'm just telling you, when you make the decision to do this, it sucks. It's painful. 
It's frustrating. It's difficult. It's just easier to leave it alone. But if you're tired of being the person that keeps snapping or stuff keeps breaking the filter or things keep happening that you can't explain, then this is the only way that you deal with it. you got to shine a spotlight and see what's lurking around inside. And the second thing you got to do, you got to have the boldness and the courage to actually deal with what's been brewing. Deal with what's been brewing. See, a lot of people will take the look, they'll see, they'll say, ooh, that's ugly. Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, I need to fix that. But they never do. Because fixing it means having hard conversations. Fixing it means dredging up painful thoughts. Fixing it means processing it rather than burying it. Fixing it means going and working through it with somebody. And listen, this is insanely important to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is not, and I I really wanted to be careful that I, I, I emphasize this. This is not just pop psychology. This is not, tell me how you feel, let's get your feelings out. This is insanely important to Jesus. Do you realize that the number one thing on Jesus's heart is for you and me to be in fellowship with his father, in relationship with his father, worshiping his father. That honor and glory and praise and worship to his father is the most important thing to Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says that if you're coming to the temple and you're getting down on your knees and you're offering a sacrifice to God and yet there's some issues between you and somebody else, there's some heart issues that haven't been dealt with, there's some bitterness, there's some anger, there's some jealousy, there's some frustration. If there are things that haven't been dealt with, you know what Jesus says to do in Matthew chapter 18? To get up off your knees, to leave your sacrifice where it's at, to go and fix the problem that you've got in your heart with the, with the brother that, that has an issue with you. Go deal with that and then come back to make your sacrifice. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that honor and worship and glory to God was the most important thing to Jesus. It is the most important thing to Jesus, but you can't fully be the person that God wants you to be and honor him and worship him as long as you have unresolved issues with your brother. And so Jesus says, listen, don't come to church and raise your hands and act like everything's fine. Get up, leave church, and go deal with your heart issues. Because they are the most important thing that you will ever do. Stop, and you'll never hear another pastor say this, I promise you, but I'm going to say it unapologetically. Stop coming to church and thinking that's going to fix your problems. Stop changing your behavior and thinking everything's going to be okay. People people can't believe that, that I as a pastor am not focused on behavior modification. I'm not focused on people changing the way they act, changing the way they talk, changing the way that they, they drink, changing the way that they dress, changing the way that they, that they live. I'm not interested in changing those things about those people. You know why? Because if we can change their heart, those things will change. I can tell people, stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this, and stop doing this. Guess what? They'll stop doing it for a week, and then they'll start doing it again. You know why? Because their heart drives their actions. Jesus says, stop, stop worrying about what you say and what you do. Instead, start worrying about what's in your heart. Because everything that happens on the outside comes from the inside, and nobody's monitoring the inside. You've got to be willing to look and see what's lurking in there, and you've got to be willing to deal with it. If not, nothing on the outside 
ever changes. If you're here this morning and you've never started a relationship with God, you've been checking out this whole church thing, you've been checking out the Jesus thing, you've been trying to track with it and see what it's all about, but you've never started a real intimate relationship with God for yourself, you've never accepted what Jesus did on the cross on your behalf so that you could enter into intimacy with God, a relationship with God for yourself. Here's what you need to know. Before you can do any of that, this, that's the first step. That's the first step. Because the only way that things inside your heart can be dealt with is if Jesus has control of your heart. Ultimately, you're fighting a losing battle that you'll never be able to overcome. That's why psychiatrists and psychologists make so much money. Because people keep coming back. Tell me how that makes you feel. How did your father make you feel? My father made me feel terrible. Cool, see you next week. And I'm not knocking psychology. I'm just saying psychology apart from Jesus does nothing. The only way you can work on what's going on inside of you and inside of me is to allow Jesus to get inside of us first. Otherwise, you're fighting a battle that you'll have a hard time ever overcoming. And so I want to challenge you that if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, would you be willing to make that your first step? I'm not talking about have you ever walked an aisle, said a prayer, been in a baptistry. I'm asking, have you ever started a real intimate relationship with God? And if not, would you be willing to do that today before you walk out of this place? For the rest of us, I want to challenge you to do something really painful and really difficult and really hard before you leave. And I know that you didn't plan on coming to church and getting all mushy and like stuffy and and touchy-feely and scratch and sniff and all that stuff, but just hang with me for a second. I'm wondering if you might be willing for just a couple of minutes before we dismiss to allow a spotlight to be shined deep down inside your heart by answering a series of questions for yourself to see what's really going on in there. And I'm not even saying you got to do anything about it today. All I'm saying is recognize that there's things in there that you need to work on, that you need to deal with, and then come back over the next few weeks and we'll work on how to deal with those things. But you can't deal with those things if you don't know that they're there. So would you be willing to do a self-assessment? I'm going to ask everybody in the room. This is just between you and God. So I want everybody in the room to bow their heads and close their eyes. Nobody looking around. Just a moment between you and God. I'm going to ask that nobody get up and leave. Nobody go to the bathroom. Nobody, nobody move. This just... Just take a moment between you and God. And would you be willing to answer these questions to yourself? If you were being honest, is everything okay with your heart? Like, are you all good with what's going on inside of you? Let me help you out. Are you mad at anybody right now? Are you waiting on somebody to come and make things right with you? Right now? Have you had any extended imaginary conversations with anyone lately? Things you wish you could tell people? Do things come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you have to apologize for? Have you secretly celebrated somebody's failure lately? You see somebody else, you see something go wrong, and you're like, yes, it's about time. They deserve it. 
You got any secrets going on that nobody knows about? Anything you hope nobody discovers or finds out about? Have you lied recently to somebody that you love? You care about them, but you just couldn't tell them the truth because you were either protecting you or protecting them. If the answers to any of these questions are yes, then there's some enemies in your heart. maybe for the first time in a long time or maybe the first time ever this morning you're shining a huge spotlight on your heart and you're recognizing oh there's some stuff in there I need to deal with here's what I'm asking you to do really really simple follow up and then we're going to dive into the details in the coming weeks would you just pray and ask your heavenly father to help you deal with what's in your heart and to help you effectively guard your heart. And he's gonna, he's gonna help you. He's gonna show you how. He's gonna give you the next steps. And in the coming weeks, we're gonna learn together how to deal with what's going on inside. But would you just stop and ask him for help right now? Whatever that circumstance that you said yes to, whatever that situation was that you said yes to, specifically, would you just ask him, God, help me with this because it's starting to affect other things. And if you're here this morning and you've never started a relationship with God through Jesus, would you just tell God right now that you're ready? just in the quietness of this moment I'm ready I believe in what your son Jesus did on the cross for me and I'm ready to give you control of my heart I want to ask you to do one more thing for me while your heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed One of the things I'm convinced of is that we were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to wrestle with these things in an isolated environment. We were meant to be in community. We were meant to hold each other up and hold each other accountable and help each other along. That's how we were created. So I promise I won't call attention to you or embarrass you in any way. But if you either made the decision to begin a relationship with God for the very first time or you realize that there was something in your heart that you need to deal with. When you shine that spotlight down there, you realize there's something that you need to work on. Would you let us know that so that we can come alongside you and pray with you, pray for you? I promise we won't call attention to you in any way. We won't show up at your house. We won't bombard you or bother you. We just want to be able to pray for you and pray with you and help you and offer assistance if you'd like it. And so whether you made the decision to follow Jesus or you made the decision, you know what, I need to deal with some things in my heart. Would you grab that program that you were handed when you came in? Nobody's looking around. Grab that program and at the bottom of that's a connection card. Would you put your information on there? Just a name and a way we could contact you if we need to. 
And if you made the decision to start a relationship with God, there's a box on the back that you can check, which will indicate that. And then you can just drop in the offering basket. And for the rest of us in the room, if you would just find somewhere on that card that says, I need to guard my heart, write that down. Find somewhere with some space that'll give you room to write that write it down drop it in the offering basket and allow us to come alongside of you and pray with you because I'm convinced that when we get this right it will change our external behavior and it'll cause other people to say whatever it is that you have that's what I want God we love you and we thank you for the gift of your mercy and your grace. We ask that you give us the fortitude, the boldness, the courage to legitimately identify the enemies of our heart and be willing to work on them. For our sake, for your sake, and for the sake of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray.